Walks like an animal, talks like an animal, must be an animal. Come here, the animal, talking animal, talking animal. Good morning. This is Talking Animals. I'm Duncan Strauss. Wishing some of my listeners an easy fast. And my guest today is Avalon Dyson, founder of Tampa Bay's Conservate Forward. Avalon has been an environmentalist, animal advocate, and educator of sorts for a number of years. What makes this all particularly notable is that Avalon Tyson is 14 years old, and she found a conservative forward and environmental-minded organization that promotes good deeds and cultivating change when she was nine. Barely as someone barely in her teens accomplished so much. If I rattle off all her awards and honors, we'd uh, chew up the rest of today's show. But what we will do is find out a little bit about what's uh, been going on with her more recently, her recent pursuits, if the focus of conservative forward has shifted as a result, and uh, more when I speak with Avalon Tyson in a few moments here on Talking Animals. Also later in the show, I'll speak briefly with activist Julie Watkins about a major press conference taking place in Orlando tomorrow addressing the statewide protests she and others have organized to raise awareness about the Florida bear hunt slated to begin on October 24th. Lastly, I think it's practically incumbent on me to mention that WMF's fall membership drive starts two weeks from today. That's October 7th, and on that very day, I'll be raising money on Talking Animals for the station. Not coincidentally, I now have information and photos posted on the Talking Animals website about many of our exclusive premiums or thank you gifts for pledges at various levels. They'll include the new Talking Animals t-shirts, a lovely yellow with Charles Darwin on the front and a big Talking Animals logo on the back. I'll also have DVD copies of Sit, Stay, Ride, the story of America's sidecar dogs, a wonderful documentary Flea and I showed as a WNF event in July, the Florida premiere of that film, no less. And uh, he'll be offering some copies on his great show, The Monday It's the Music, as well. We also have the week-long stay in the Kauai condo, discounted over the regular rate and an amazing experience for uh, many who uh, have uh, taken advantage of it, including some WMNFers, the commuter from hell among them. So... Uh, Anyways, for those things, it's a lot of flying from Tampa or wherever for just a week's stay. We have been known to work things out to tack on two or three days to that week. So uh, anything's possible. Anything's negotiable. And speaking of water and great beauty, I'm really excited this drive. I'm offering two mind-blowing prints by the phenomenal underwater photographer Goog. Check out these eye-popping images on TalkingAnimals.net. We'll also have tickets including to see Loud and Wainwright, December 12th. This guy is not only an endlessly witty singer-songwriter, he's written some pretty entertaining animal songs. You might remember Dead Skunk. We're typically assigned an insanely large fundraising goal, especially for an hour-long show. It's often around $3,000. The only way to reach that kind of goal is to receive many of the pledges beforehand. So if you'd like to give us a head start, please visit TalkingAnimals.net for info about these thank you gifts and different ways you can support Talking Animals and me. Right now, though... Let's speak with our guest, Avalon Tyson, with a reminder that I invite you to join the conversation by calling 813-239-9663, emailing us at dj 
at WMNF.org or texting 813-433-0885. Let's welcome Avalon Tyson back to Talking House. Good morning, Avalon. Good morning. How are you? I'm very good. How are you? Very good. Thanks uh, for joining us this morning. I know you got a busy schedule, and I'm happy that we were able to steal some of your time. And, you know, often, uh, Avalon, I start my interviews by asking um, the guests about their childhood and, and formative years. You, of course, are in your formative years, so we'll discuss those this morning and to some extent. Uh, I guess kind of in real time, and maybe we'll travel back, uh, you know, not too far back, I guess, to your childhood. With that in mind, let's start with Conservate Forward, the organization you founded in 2010 when, of course, you were just nine. Um, first, so that everyone li- that's listening knows what we mean here, maybe you could tell us uh, a little bit about Conservate Forward, what it is and what it does. Well, um, I founded Conservate Forward when I was nine, yeah. back in 2010, as you said, and we were originally designed to help indicator species like frogs, because frogs are very relatable. They're found on six or seven continents, and they're an indicator species. So what happens to them indicates what can happen to the environment. So if we're helping frogs, then we're helping the rest of the world. And so that's how my organization started out. And I did things like booths, tables, events. Um, I had a really good um, herpetology teacher, which is the study of reptiles and amphibians. His name was Mr. George, and he really got me started into this um, field. And so um, eventually my um, project became a nonprofit organization called Conserve It Forward. Um, a couple years ago, we, I wanted to come up with a new idea on how to help people in the environment, and so I came up with care cane cards. And what it is, is people from all over the world send in different cards, I mean, different pictures of nature or drawings they have made of nature, and we turn them to cards to go to people in places like hospitals and care centers. Nature helps people feel better, and this is how we can get nature to them. In March, we hit our goal of getting cards to people in all 50 states, plus Canada, so we've had help from hundreds of people in eight different countries to get cards to over 3,500 people. So our last project area is um, I've always been passionate about a plant-based lifestyle, um, particularly started when I was seven. And right now I'm working on a new conservative forward program to help people be more aware about how our food choices affect the environment and other world choices. So a lot of people want to... Um, eat less meat for their health or animals. When I was seven, I went uh, vegetarian for the earth because I heard it was one of the best things I could do. And when my parents went vegetarian, there wasn't really an app or anything to help with that. So lately, I've been trying to figure out a way to incorporate this, this passion of mine, and to consider it forward. And so um, I read this really good book by Nick Cooney and actually got to meet him um, earlier this year in Washington, D.C., It was called Change of Heart, and it was all about how social psychology can be used to um, make your activism work more effective. And so after reading his book, I got an idea for an app. And during this time, I also volunteered with um, Vegan Outreach. I gave out um, flyers and things. Mm -hmm. And now I've gotten a focus group together for my app, and I'm currently looking if there's any app designers out there right now who would like to help design an app to help people learn about the impact of their food choices on the environment and helping animals, that would be really great. Just connect with me at conserveitforward.org, and um, 
right now, one of my favorite um, movies about this, it's a documentary called Cowspiracy. They, um, it's a really great movie. It's all about the environmental effects of our food choices on the environment. And because of how good an impact they're having, the um, animal um, agriculture business is having um, backlashing, sort of. So if any of you have a Netflix account and have watched the movie, please go to Cowspiracy on Netflix and give it a, um, a pretty high rating to um, counter this, please. Well, yeah, it's a really great film. And not coincidentally, or sort of coincidentally, I guess in a way, uh, I'm offering that to the uh, copy of the DVD copy of Cowspiracy as a prize for uh, for naming the animal tune later in today's show. So it's uh, great that you would uh, that you would bring that up. Not surprisingly, you've got a lot going on and working towards some some additional goals. Let me just back up for a sec, Avalon, if I could. So when you began Conservative Forward, I mean, already we've heard just in a brief time that it's changed a little bit and that its focus has changed. But when you were first doing this. What gave you the idea to say, hey, I want to create a, an organization that can do these things? I mean, what, what made you first think of it? Well, when I was eight, I started taking classes at this homeschool co-op, and it was herpetology classes, which is the study of reptiles and amphibians. Mm-hmm. As I mentioned earlier, my teacher was Mr. George, and he got me really interested in the idea of amphibian conservation. I was also taking um, some local frog listening workshops where I learned about frogs and how if we help them, we're helping the environment and how to identify them by both the sounds they make and how they look. And I was also taking some citizen science classes at a local nature preserve. Some of you may know it. It's Camp Bayou Outdoor Learning Center. And so one day they asked if I could um, pick a t- one of my favorite citizen science topics to talk about at an event they were having. And so I picked frogs and frog listening. I borrowed the frogs in my backyard, and I had my very first amphibian conservation booth. And so it sort of grew since then, and I got to do a Save the Frogs, a really little Save the Frogs Day event um, about a year later. And I've been doing those, the Save the Frogs Day events, from until like this year I've been doing them still so um, it eventually grew from that and I wanted to help more and so eventually um, my parents said that if I stuck with this for two years they helped find an attorney so we could see about getting um, getting it uh, to be federally recognized as a non-profit Non-profit. Well, again, impressive in, in various ways, because I guess part of the thing is, I mean, there's probably a lot of kids over the years. I know Mr. George has been doing this for a number of years. So there's probably a lot of kids, even the year you were there, much less all the other years before and, and even after that, that love what they were learning and developed a passion. But I guess what, what maybe is unusual in your case is that you took that passion and said, okay, how can I take it further? Let me start an organization. Let me do these booths. And so, again, it's just, I guess in some ways, that's sort of your your story is already is that you're always kind of developing these new interests. But then it's like, well, how can I take it further and how can I help more people with the interests that I've developed? Is that right? Um, yes, I believe that's a very good way of stating it, yes. Okay. And then speaking of the Save the Frog things, because one of the time, here's another measure of uh, what all has been going on with you. I mean, this is probably, at least in short bursts, if not otherwise, like probably your third or fourth time, I think, on the show. Of course, you were on a longer time with uh, our friend Bev uh, when I was out of town one time, but then you've been on a couple short times interviews, including the thing you just mentioned when we had um, Dr. Um, 
Krager, I think, on, the founder of Save the Frogs. I think that connected to the Save the, uh, the Frogs Day events, that, and that might have been one of your first ones um, that you had organized locally. So your history with the Save the Frogs thing, but it sounds like from what I gather that maybe you're not doing this, this was like the last year that you were doing the, the Save the Frogs events? Or? Oh, no, yeah. I've been doing um, Save the Frogs Day events since 2012. Yeah. I mean, 2010, and um, this year we actually did a social media blitz where we had, a, um, it was um, really early in the year, so I'm trying to remember. Mm-hmm. But um, we had people like spreading awareness about Save the Frogs Day. And we'll probably be doing something similar next year. Oh, okay. So we continue to um, work with Save the Frogs Day. And um, Dr. Kerry Krieger, he really got me started in this direction. Well, that's, uh, that's like I say, one of the times that you were on the show is that he was a guest on the show. And then we uh, put you on the show as well because you were he was talking to sort of about the national effort of Save the Frogs, and this connected to Save the Frogs, the event which you were doing locally. So uh, so are frogs still every bit as much important to you, or just have so many other interests that maybe they're not as important as they they were in some of those past years? Well, my um, focus has shifted a little bit. Mm-hmm. I'm um, expanding more with my organization. Now I have three main program areas instead of just the one. But yeah, the main stuff that I do with Consider It Forward is um, frog and amphibian conservation presentations and events, and it's still a very major part of what I do with Consider It Forward. So as part of that, I mean, you're really sort of an educator of sorts where you do go to places and, and make those presentations or set up booths and things at, at fairs and conferences and stuff as well, right? Mm-hmm, I do. Yeah. So this is Talking Animals. I'm Duncan Strauss. If you just tune in, my guest is Avalon Tyson, 14-year-old environmentalist, animal advocate, educator, and founder when she was nine of Conserve It Forward. If you'd like to ask Avalon a question or offer a comment, please call 813-239-9663. Email dj at wmnf.org or text 813-433-0885. So Avalon, with all the sort of interests and organizations and, and your kind of growing and shifting interests, what is school like these days? As I recall, you've been homeschooled, but it seems like you have a very busy schedule. So so how does that work, and, and what are you studying right now? Well, school's obviously very busy. Um, this is my first year of high school, so very busy. I'm mm-hmm. taking AP Biology and Algebra 2, and um, it's a little tricky, but I'm getting back into the hang of things. Okay. And as far as school goes... Um, lost my chain of thought. Are you still homeschooled, Avalon, or are you now attending school when you say it's your first year of high school? Um, I am still homeschooled, but okay. I do take um, classes at homeschool co-op. Oh, I see. As well as um, a few online classes, and then there's a few that um, have teachers and some that don't and are just online curriculums. It um, really depends on the class. I see. And then does the homeschool uh, co-op provide like sort of additional school activities or is it affiliated with a particular school? For example, like are there other non-school events or activities that you're that you get to be involved in as well? Well, I also do um, ballet, rhythmic gymnastics, Mm -hmm. Girl Scouts, and usually like an art or a drama program. Yeah. And I also get to travel a lot. So I get to learn so many things while I'm traveling that it's sort of like school. The homeschool co-op I do go to. Um, they do offer other programs, but um, I only take their math program because um, it fits best with my schedule. I see. 
Yeah. And uh, as far as uh, as far as traveling goes, I get the sense this summer was a very busy, very exciting time for you and maybe summer of very big changes as well. Can can you talk about some of the traveling you did and some of the cool new adventures and, and educational opportunities that you had along the way? Well, sure. Um, back in February, I was invited to the White House to speak at a climate change event. And that was Super interesting. I got to meet the President's Administrator on Science and Technology, as well as the U.S. EPA's Administrator, Gina McCarthy. Um, I was one of the 16 youth invited and nominated by Green Schools, which is an organization in Massachusetts, to be part of their annual climate change event. I was also part of the Ashoka Future Forum. Um, I at the beginning of summer, and that was really fun. It was full of all these change makers from all around the world, and it was just uh, it was amazing having so many people like that in one room or a couple rooms. Um, also, as I mentioned, I reached our goal with Care Hands of reaching all fifty people in all fifty states plus Canada. Um, for Earth Day, I offered um, house. The movie to anyone who replied, and we ended up gifting 74 copies. And as I mentioned earlier, if you have a Netflix account and you like the movie, please go on there and um, rate them. And then um, also in July, I was part of this local um, art exhibit. It was called Think Earth. The Tampa Bay I went to inherit. And it was an art exhibit by Community Stepping Stones, and it had art from youth in the community, and it was all about climate change and environmental issues. And I was also invited to be the speaker at their opening reception in July, and that was a ton of fun. Yeah, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about that because I think, first of all, I think you spoke uh, specifically on on climate change at that event. Um, Yes, I did. Yeah. When you speak at something like, let's say, about climate change, what are some of the points that you're making when you give those talks? When um, at that talk, I talked about all the things that I love about Tampa Bay, as well as things that we can improve on. And I talked about like all the um, things that we're already doing. I talked about um, maybe having um, a train system, a metro track, mm-hmm. because that's like one of my favorite things in visiting other cities, and that would be really great for Tampa. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's interesting, Avalon, because um, that after that event, I heard from probably two or three different people who were there and had heard you speak and were like incredibly uh, impressed and so, so they wrote me or called me or whatever said hey have you heard of this uh, this you know young girl Avalon Tyson and I said heard of her heck she's been on the show a few times but I, I knew what they meant because they uh, to a person they were just impressed by by your talk and just your poise and of course as I'm sure a lot of people listening now would, would think as well that you obviously have a, a maturity and a sophistication well well beyond your years so um, anyway I just wanted to let you know that you had a lot of fans. I'm sure a lot of people made that clear that night, but subsequently, a lot of people did get in touch with me about um, about that event and, and how you uh, how you presented yourself that night. So, congrats to that. Now, speaking of uh, climate change, it sounds like what the White House that was uh, a big part of what that visit was about, and and the Think Earth event that we just discussed. And um, so, do you do you have uh, are you hopeful about the climate change? I mean, just this morning, I, I just before I came on air, noticed that the Pope said something that about mentioning that, that climate change can't be left to a future generation to deal with. In other words, urging people to really take it much more seriously now. Are you optimistic about the things that we'll do to hopefully correct and and reduce any further erosion of of the climate? Well, I think that if we all act soon, and that's 
part of what my new um, app for Consumer Forward is about. And um, just um, last month in August, I got to go to um, Youth Empowered Action Camp, which is full of teens from all over the world um, interested in social justice and animal rights issues. And so what we did is we learned about how people are reacting to climate change and how we can help with that. I was also, um, I just also just went to Farm Sanctuary in um, New York. Yeah. And I stayed there for several days. I got to visit with the director, Miss Susie. And, you know, I think with the way things are going, if people are starting to act on it, and I think if we just act a little more, I think I think we will be able to beat climate change. We just have to act. Yeah, that's the key thing. Rather than to keep talking about it and debating whether it's happening, is to take action right away. I'm interested about the app because when you were describing it a little bit earlier in the show, at least I had sort of understood it to, to be kind of more dealing with you know a plant-based diet and so, some of the virtues that go with that and maybe some of the calculations that go with that, and that's what the app was designed for. But it sounds like the app, from what you're saying now, now has every bit as much a, a focus on the environmental impact of plant-based diet and more to the point, the environmental impact of not having a plant-based diet. Is that correct? Um, yes, it's um, not so much about a plant-based diet as so much as eating less animal products mm-hmm. and eating more plant foods. Yeah. And it even applies to vegetarians and vegans because some plant foods use more resources than some other plant foods. And so it's basically just about trying to reduce our carbon emissions. And like certain foods might use more water or take up more space. And the whole goal of the app is to improve your eco value, which is how much um, things you use as far as resources for your food. And so it's not so much about going meat-free as so much as eating less of it and eating more green as far as like for the environment. Yeah. Well, because one of the things that was addressed in Cowspiracy and, and people, of course, have been talking about for a number of years, but, but sometimes it's hard to get through, is that, that animal agriculture and that whole industry is by far the biggest, has the biggest impact on the environment and climate, which is to all the water, all the emissions, all the gases, all the waste. People don't sometimes either think about that or often don't want to think about that and so that what they're eating if they're supporting the animal agricultural world the tremendous and very measurable impact that that is having on the uh, on the environment so yeah so this app seems like it's really dealing with a lot of those issues in, in a very direct way which is great so how did, like, this Youth Empowered Action Camp, I mean, this sounds very, very cool that you went to uh, this summer. Did they invite you? How did you know about it, and how did you end up there? Um, I think we heard about it online or mm-hmm. through Facebook. Okay. And um, it seemed really interested, um, interesting. In the past couple of years, I either wasn't old enough to go. Mm. You have to be at least 12 to go to one of their camps. Or I had a conflicting date. And so this year, it worked out. They had their first ever um, camp with an animal advocacy focus. And this is the first year that I was able to go. And so it was really fun. It was a week. We got to stay at this um farm animal sanctuary near Woodstock, and it was really fun. We got to visit with the animals every day. We got to go to these really neat um, 
activist workshop about how to improve our activism and what's going on, how people think of it, and all of these different things. And it was really helpful and a great experience. And I've already recommended the camp to a couple of my friends, and it was really awesome. I can't wait to go back. Yeah, well, it looked like, from what I uh, found out about it just in the last few days in preparing to, to speak with you, that it was not only just generally activism, but it dealt with, I think, among other things, bullying in schools, GLBTQ activism, interacting with the public, conservation, animal advocacy, of course. And, and it sounds like it was really set up in such a way that, that you and the other people attending could really learn from each other as well as the people presenting the, uh, the workshops. Yes, totally. Yeah, there is um, one section of the camp where we all shared our activism stories. Yeah. And some were really simple, like, I recycle or I planted some trees. And, you know, it's the little things that add up to, like, big changes, as I always say. So if we can all do the small act, then together we will make big changes. And then some of the kids were doing all these amazing things. They were getting their entire schools to try out vegetarian meals. And it was really amazing. And I can't wait to go back next. To me, it sounds funny that someone like you, with all you, you've done and all your accomplishments, it sounds like kind of odd that, that, that these other kids were doing all these amazing things. But, uh, but you know, it sounds like there was probably a, a, just a, a group of very sort of smart, ambitious uh, kids, much like yourself there, that were uh, all working together. And, and I think you actually uh, gave a workshop or two at this, didn't you? Or? Um, yes, I have an um, I have a interest in um, gardening and specific or specifically miniature gardening, like a, a miniature plantarium. Mm-hmm. And I did give a workshop on how to make them, and um, each of the different layers had a meeting. A meaning. So um, there is sand, and that represents um, one of them represented, like, um, the diversity of all the people here. One represented, like, our growth and activism work. One represented, like, our strength and endurance in doing this kind of work. And um, I played it at... Um, made it so there was like all these different symbolism in every part of this mm. and it was also a hobby that I really enjoy and um, that was what my workshop had been about. That's great. Uh, again, this is Talking Animals. I'm Duncan Straps and I'm speaking with Avalon Tyson, founder of Conservative Ford, who's been an environmentalist, animal advocate, and educator of sorts for a number of years. She's also 14, although I too find it difficult to believe at this point. Uh, I invite you to join the conversation by calling 813-239-9663, emailing dj at wmnf.org, or texting 813-433-0885. So, Avalon, you've won a slew of awards and honors. Let's, let's talk about least about some of them. I think it was two summers ago that you won the National Temple Grandin Award. What 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 did that mean to you winning that award? Um, could you ask that question a different way? Sure. Uh, yeah, I think it was about two years ago that that you were awarded the uh, National Temple Grandin Award. And I'm just wondering again, you won so many awards that it might it might be hard to remember them all. But I just was wondering if what what that meant to you, what impact that had on you to win the Temple of Grand uh, Temple Grandin Award. Well, I don't do too much work with that, but mm-hmm. um, I know one of our youth board members, mm-hmm. Rachel Barcelona. That's like um, she does pageants, and that's her platform there. So um, if you want to learn more about that, you should probably talk to her because she's really um, interested in that, and that's um, that's her work for forward. I see. Okay. But didn't you meet Temple Grandin when you won this award? I thought she I thought she had actually a much bigger impact on you than, than it sounds like maybe now. Um yes, I did get a mirror twice, once in San Francisco and once in Miami. Yeah. 
Yeah. Some of the other uh, awards, I think just in the last year or so, include the Humane Student of the Year Award by Animal Learn, the Summer of Service Award by the Youth Service uh, America, the Florida Achievement Award by the Florida Commission on the Status of Woman, and the WEDU Be More Inspiring Rising Star Award. I mean, that's that's pretty good because it's part of a long string. That's just, again, uh, some of the recent ones. Are there some of these awards that have particular significance to you that like you were extra excited to win or just because they were from either a certain organization or in a certain field that meant something more to you? Well, um, I can't remember the exact year, but the um, Nate the Nate, um, Nate the Newt Award by um, Save the Frogs, that was like a really important um, um, award that I got. It was the first award I had with money, and that helped. I'm still using the grant money now because uh, um, I got different things like uh, um, there's a beanbag toss with like an environmental um, stand that was educational. And we still have that, I believe. And that was a really important step and consider it forward was getting that grant. And Save the Frogs has been very supportive of me since I started. Um, there's the Gloria Barron Prize. That was really fun. Yeah. I got to go to New York City and I got to do, um, I don't remember the exact number because this was back when I was um, 11, I think. Mm-hmm. But I got to do a lot of um, TV and radio interviews. That was super fun. Um, also the 2013 Green Forward Award, Grinning Forward Earth Savers Club Award. Grinning Forward is an awesome organization. And that was a really fun award. Um, um, the Peace First, I got to be a Peace First prize finalist. Peace First is this organization all about peace and social justice. And um, that was really fun. I got cool. um, That's how actually I got to go to the um, Ahsoka conference. Oh, wow. And then the more recent 2014 Humane Student of the Year by Animal Lord. Yeah. Well, let's take, we're just about uh, nearing the end of our time together, Avalon, but let's take uh, at least one call while we have a chance. Hi, you're on Talking Animals with Avalon Tyson. Um, me? I mean, this is, uh, I, I'm not Avalon Tyson. I'm hello. This is from Danny Bowman. I just really wanted to say congratulations. Oh, hi, Danny. How are you? I'm good. It's been so long since I've seen you. <laughs> just wanted to say congratulations on all the work you've done since you um, made a very, very bright future. Yeah, boy, I'll say. Yeah, well, thank you. Uh, any, anything else beyond just congrats that you wanted to say or ask uh, while, uh, while we have her here? I just want to ask them. I have a lot of questions. So when are you going to be in L.A.? Um, I'm not sure when I'm going to be in L.A. Um, I've only been to Northern California before, and I'm trying to think. Um, I'm not sure when I'm going to be there, but um, the next time I'm there, I'll be, make sure to visit you. Okay, thank you so much for your call. Okay, Avalon, we'll uh, we sort of just have maybe another minute or two left. So I guess one of my questions is, I mean, you obviously accomplished a great deal for someone uh, really of any age. And, and, of course, you are just 14 years old. I guess I'm very interested to know where you think this might be heading. Like, wh- what are your thoughts about what you might end up doing? I mean, is it scientist? Is it activist? Is it doctor? Is it professor? I mean, uh, obviously, again, you're, you're 14, but you're not like a lot of 14-year-olds that most of us know. So you, I imagine you might have done some thinking about what you'd like to do when you're a little bit older. What, what are some of those things? Well, there's a few of those things in the list that I would like to do. Um, yeah. What I really want to do is I want to go to um, New College of Florida. It's an honors college um, nearby in Sarasota. Mm-hmm. It's one of my top college choices. I love it there. It's like a perfect match for me. And when I'm, I want to get my, um, it's not called a bachelor's degree, but it's an equivalent um, and what it is is in social psychology and sociology. And what I want to do with that degree is um, 
I want to use it to help other organizations and nonprofits improve the effectiveness of their programs. And I haven't decided exactly how I'm going to do this, um, but I might also um, help with other things through psychology because I think it's so neat, like how the human brain works. And I'd really like to study that when I get older. And I've um, already studied a little bit, but I'd like to really delve deeper into that. Well, that sounds like a great plan and a great path. And uh, already it sounds like, you know, at least for now, we're you'd like to where you'd like to do some of that uh, college study so um well avalon i think we have just about reached the end of our time today and uh, we've been speaking with avalon tyson and her organization is conserve it forward the website is conserve and of course there's also a facebook page which you can find easily just by searching for conserve it forward so avalon well thanks uh, so much for making the time to join us and and my i, I have a strong prediction that that app is going to come together and get finished very very soon and uh, I'm going to be very excited and, and then hopefully they, uh, get in touch when it is because we'll want to hear about the uh, finished app when it's done. Okay. And thank you so much again for inviting me here. I love talking on your show. Oh, well, thank you very much. That's very nice of you to say and good luck with everything. And we'll, I'm sure we will talk again soon. Okay. Thank you. Have thank a good day. You. All right. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. In a few moments, we'll speak briefly with Julie Watkins about plans for statewide protests of the Florida bear hunt and related topics. Right now, on a somewhat related note, it's time to step into the Talking Animals Comedy Corner. This is Matt Bronger with a portion of a piece called Panda Butler in today's Comedy Corner on Talking Animals. Do you guys know what the secret is? It's a book that uh, was trumpeted by Oprah that uh, uh, is very big in Los Angeles, uh, very big with uh, actor spiritualists, I like to call them which is basically when you just want the universe to give you everything you want in a really selfish manner, and you want to be a star. You want to be an entertainment weekly, and you pray for the wrong things. That's all that is. But I'm not knocking it. Look, I think positive visualization is a handy tool, and it's good. It's good to stay positive. When you're negative all the time, it's, it doesn't help you at all. But I, I don't necessarily believe in the secret, but I'm, I don't know. I don't know. It might work. Asking the universe for something might work. So I'm going to try it right now. I'm going to try the secret and see if it works, okay? So I am going to throw out right now what I want from the universe and hope that I, that I get it. So here we go, okay? Panda butler! That's all I want. That's, I want a panda that is also a butler. That's it. I want a panda that walks on his hind legs and often fails and tries to be my butler. Walks in while I'm watching TV with a tray of champagne flutes, which he will drop. <laughs> Granted, he will drop them, but he'll try. Walks in. <laughs> it's okay, Clive. You're still my man. High five. Actually, any bear that won't kill me. That's all I want, right? I will rubberize my home wherever he wants, right? Just as long as he does Like, can you imagine just sitting and watching TV with a bear that is also sitting and his little belly is going up and down with his breathing? His bear belly? You can put stuff on it like a tray of cheese and crackers and he occasionally just yells and you love it because it feels like commentary, right? You're right, dude. Jersey Shore is the end of all civilization. High five. That was Matt Bronger with part of a piece called Panda Butler taken from his CD, Shovel Fighter. He does paint a poetic picture, hanging out with a bear, 
sitting next to him watching TV together. This does lead us, I'm afraid, to a grimmer image involving bears, though. The Florida bear hunt slated to begin October 24th. Now to briefly discuss planned protests of that hunt and more, let's welcome Julie Watkins back to Talking Animals. Good morning, Julie. Good morning, Duncan. Thanks for joining us again on Talking Animals. We've spoken a few times, I guess, about Girls Gone Green and about the Central Florida Veg Fest. And, but yeah. today we're here to discuss the Florida bear hunt slated to begin, like I said, almost a month from today. And so yeah. we, we've talked a little bit about this uh, on the show a few different times. But for those who might be hearing about it for the first time, maybe you could just give us a brief overview of what's slated to happen and we'll go from there. Right. Okay. Well, just uh, this year, the Florida. Florida Fish and Wildlife approved for the bears to be hunted, and it does begin about 30 days from today. And it's supposed to last seven days, and what they're trying to do is get 320 bears taking, taken out, basically either killed with a shotgun or they're allowing, you know, bow and um, arrow as well. And they're trying to reduce what they, according to them, just the population of, of the bears. But we, conservationists and others, have a lot of questions as to how effective this hunt is going to be and what is really the main purpose of uh, trying to reduce the bear population that just got delisted from the threatened um, list about two years ago. So there's only about 3,000 of them that exist right now in Florida, and that's not in even the official count. The official numbers don't come in until next year, so we're also asking why are they pushing for this hunt before they really know how many bears are are, uh, currently living in Florida. So it's unfortunate. And we're just hoping to get our voices heard. You know, I'm not sure if you're aware, but during the public comment period, uh, Florida Fish and Wildlife, when they were debating whether or not to approve the hunt, they allowed for emails and phone calls, and over 30,000 of them were in opposition for this hunt to be legalized. And that was out of about 40,000 correspondences that they received. That's 75% of people in Florida that don't even want this hunt to happen, but they refuse to listen to that. And we're taking it to a public forum now because we feel like we just haven't been heard and our questions just haven't been answered. And starting tomorrow at 10 a.m., we hope that everyone that can possibly come out to this rally will attend uh, and unite and show our leaders that we stand against this hunt. We have to speak up. I mean, this is the time to do it. The countdown is just getting closer and closer. So we're going to be in Lake Eola, Washington Plaza at 10 a.m. And we've got speakers from various groups, but they're all local. We wanted our, you know, people that, that live with the bears, our community leaders to come out and speak on this issue. So we've got Speak Up with Kaiva, One Protest, Animal Rights Foundation of Florida, Florida Voices for Animals, South Florida Wildlands Association, and the Girls Gone Green will all be talking at this conference. So let me ask you this, Julie, which, because from what you said about the, the response in the comments period, other than the commission themselves, I mean, who really is for the bear hunt? Right. Great question. And if you ever watch the meeting that happened when, when, the, when, the, when this issue was being brought up, it's mainly hunters, ranchers, and developers that are in opposition. These are the ones that will attend the meeting and, be, and, and, and ask and request this hunt be approved. You don't have, you know, your regular mom or dad come out and say that they want this hunt approved. So it really is very um, uh, almost localized. To, to the ranchers, hunters, and developers. You, you know, it's, it's not like uh, you've got 
just your your regular people coming out and wanting this hunt to happen. And um, I, I'm, I'm trying to be careful of this show not making me too cynical over the years, but occasionally it, I think I lose the battle, at least temporarily. And as part of that, in regards to what we're talking about, aren't a lot of the members of the commission, ranchers, hunters, and <laughs> others of that ilk? Yeah, yeah. Okay. In fact, Lisa Pretty, who uh, served on the commission, was appointed by Rick Scott. She is a rancher, and she has already bought her permit to hunt bears. She's going to allow bears to be hunted on her land. And, um, and we feel like this issue speaks to not just bears, but it's it's just uh, wildlife in Florida in general. Like, if they are already saying that 3,000 bears are too many for Florida to handle, what's going to happen in the next five to ten years when we continue to develop in their lands? That number is not going to go up. It's going to have to go down. So this is a tipping point. This is it. This is the time that we have to start seeking out, because if they're already making these decisions based on that number, it just, it's it's just it's unreasonable, and it is unscientific data as well because, like I say, all the numbers haven't come out. And let me just point out this as well. Lisa Pretty, uh, you know, there's only there's less than 200 Florida panthers uh, in existence in Florida, and they are, and, and especially Lisa's trying to push to get them delisted from the endangered uh, species list because, again, ranchers and hunters, they look at the Florida panther as nuisances because they're taking out their cattle, uh, they're taking out their prey, that you know, which is deer, which is what they hunt. So they're saying 200, less than 200 Florida panthers is still too many for, for certain areas in Florida to contain. And and this is our state animal. Yeah. Once the state animal gets wiped out, we'll be the first state to uh, see our state animal go extinct. So this is, it's, it's just, it's, it's the it's about the Florida bears, but it's also speaking to our wildlife in general. Yeah. And and like you say, and then also the recent appointee was a developer by Rick Scott. He just got appointed, I think it was just a few weeks ago. Um, so, again, they're not conservationists that are serving on these boards. And I, I don't understand um, what qualifications they have to speak on behalf of things that they're supposed to be looking out for, which is our wildlife, our ecosystem, our biodiversity. Um, so they're not coming in with the proper credentials to begin with. And with that in mind, Julie, let me ask you this. How ironclad are the decisions that the commission makes on, on something like this? I, I had a couple of weeks ago, I had uh, on the show Dr. Stephen Tauber, who just wrote a really fascinating new book called Navigating the Jungle Law, Politics, and the Animal Advocacy Movement. And so we talked as an example about the uh, about the Florida bear hunt and, and what kind of measures could be done to stop it legally. And he was saying, yeah, you can't just say, hey, it's wrong or uh, we're upset about it, whatever right. you'd have. So I said, well, to me, I, I, you know, I'm not a lawyer and I don't know much about it. But what I do know is that they made that decision while the census was nowhere near complete on the bear population. Right. So as an example, I mean, is is there any sort of movement afoot legally to try to stop it? Or is the commission's decision such that even if you try to fight it, it wouldn't it wouldn't be effective soon enough to help this bears before October 24th? Right. And that's what's so frustrating is once that decision has been made by Florida Fish and Wildlife, that's kind of it. So you do have to go into the legal system in order yeah. to stop it. And that's exactly what Chuck O'Neill, who is with Speak Up with Kaiba, um, he is the co-plaintiff in the lawsuit to try to stop the bear hunt. And they have requested an emergency hearing, which is going to... And the judge agree, has agreed to hear it. So that's a step in the right direction. He's willing to, to listen to uh, to the plaintiff and see, you know, well, what what is what is it that's wrong with this hunt? 
you know, as we move forward. So on October 1st, if anyone wants to go to Tallahassee and support of this court hearing, um, we welcome you to do that. But basically, the, the, the case that they're bringing about, I mean, it's, it's a really good point that they're making. The fact that there's 3,000 bears, okay, and we don't know that exact number, but it's around maybe 3,000, 3,500. Mm-hmm. And they're selling unlimited permits. So we already have over 2,000 hunting permits sold. And by the time this hunt comes around in the next 30 days, there could be a permit for every single bear out there. Even though their quota is 320, the first two days of the hunt, it's unlimited. It doesn't matter how, even if they go over the quota, um, the first two days, they will continue. Yeah, there's no way and to stop. Disaster. Well, and that's here, a setup for disaster. Right. Well, here's the other part where I've sort of lost the battle uh, temporarily against uh, deep cynicism on this, is that this, the part you just noted, is that, you know, I think it's 100 bucks if you've got a state, you know, in-state license, but a lot of uh, out-of-state licenses, where I think are 300 bucks a pop. So, unfortunately, it's not hard to also just look at this as a, a sort of pretty shameless money grab. Absolutely. They have made... Uh, they have made a lot of money already from the sales of the, of the permits, and I think that's why they made it unlimited. Yeah. Um, other states don't do it that way. They do a lottery system, and you know, only the amount that they want uh, of the animals killed is uh, will be issued. But um, you know, this this has to it has to. And the the downside is though, this money is not uh, committed to conservation. It hasn't been um, you know appointed in any one direction of where it's going to go when all is said and done. So they still have to do that after this hunt has taken place. And we don't know we don't we don't know for sure where exactly this money is going to is going to go. Is it going to continue to you know try to save bears and conserve their wildlands in any way? Yeah. Who knows? But it is it's definitely a, a a big money maker that they've already they've already seen a lot of income from. We just don't know if it's going to go you know towards the conservation efforts. Sure. Well, so Julie, we're near our time, but where? Give us a website, Facebook pages, other places where people could find out more about tomorrow's rally, uh, details of that, uh, about the case October first, if people are able to attend that, or anything else people can do. Because right. you know, I've heard, as you might imagine, from tons of people who are outraged by this, but it also felt like, as unfortunately we've sort of addressed here, um, not much that people can do effectively, but still just to sh- turn up at the rally, to turn up at the case, to do whatever they can. So. So give us some of those information so people can do help in whatever way they can. Great. And if they want to know about any of the events that's happening, they can follow the Facebook page called Stop the Florida Bear Hunt, or they can go to the website, welovebears.com or try.org. I'm sorry, I'm not sure which one okay. that is. But, sure. um, but otherwise, yeah, we've got the Bear Hunt press conference rally tomorrow morning, 10 a.m., Lake Eola at Washington Plaza. Yeah. And we're inviting a lot of the media from Florida to come out. So the more people we have to speak up for the Bears, the better it's going to be. And yeah. I think the better the leaders will listen to us. And then we've got protests set up across the state. And if you want to set up one in your city, we will be there to help you to get that started. Um, and that's going to happen October 23rd, the day before the hunt happens, because we just have to continue to fight this. Yeah. Um, and, and then again, October 1st, head to Tallahassee for the court hearing in support of, um, of of the court case and stopping the bear hunt. I think that's going to be our, our biggest opportunity right now 
is having that judge put a halt to it and give us more time For sure. to develop a, a real good plan, a sensible plan about what to do with the bare human conflict. Yeah. That has a lot more solutions. Like, this hunt is not the solution. There are many other things that we can do, and getting the bear-proof trash cans, that's going to be your most effective way to cut back on the human-bear conflict. For sure. Well, Julie, thanks uh, so much uh, for, for joining us and filling us in, and good luck with tomorrow's rally, and we'll hope that a lot of folks listening will, will go to the uh, Facebook page, will go to the website, will do what they can, will turn up at the rally, turn up at the, uh, the court hearing, and uh, see what we can really uh, uh, pull it all out effort to to delay at least if and then ultimately halt the the bear hunt so thank you so much again for joining us on talking animals thanks duncan appreciate the time thank, thank you, you. bye coming up at 11 on wmnf it's rob lori and radioactivity rolling into the noon hour it constitutes a full two hours of interviews phone calls news and more with contributions from members of the stellar wmnf staff meanwhile as the prize for name that animal tune i'll be offering a dvd copy of the acclaimed documentary cowspiracy the sustainability secret which avalon mentioned a couple times in our interview this morning right now it's time for just a very abbreviated news uh, animal news and announcements just want to quickly highlight that coming up in the next few weeks a few different big animal organization events tuxes and tails which benefits the animals at the humane society of tampa bay october 17th from 6 p.m to 11 p.m at tampa convention center more information at humane society tampa.org stride for strays the 15th annual is coming up the next day october 18th in the channel side riverwalk area starting in at ferg's live Tampa, that's from 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. More information on that at actampa.org. And Tampa Bay Veg Fest, the 6th annual. It's coming up November 7th from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. at Coat and Chobie Fort Brook Park. More information on that at tampabayvegfest.org. Had some good conversations there, so unfortunately not more time for animal news and announcements today. It's time to play Name That Animal Tune. This is a giveaway Please only participate if you haven't won something in the last 90 days, and there'll be a prize, a DVD copy of the claimed Cowspiracy. The first person who calls it 813-239-9663 and correctly identifies this animal song. One clue, the artist singing is celebrating his birthday today. It's named the Animal Tune on Talking Animals. All right, we'll try to take that guest off the air. We have just about reached the end of today's edition of Talking Animals on WNF Tampa. Rob Laura is up next. I'll be back next Wednesday. Go to TalkingAnimals.net. Support us. Give us a head start on the fun drive. We'll see you next Wednesday, 10 a.m. on Talking Animals. WMNF Tampa, thanks.